folks, it's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Uh, Steve Williamson here. Welcome to Democratic Perspective. I have uh, what I think is a very important uh, show today uh, about uh, uh, an, inst- an issue that's pretty constant in, in, in Sedona and in Arizona generally, and that's affordable or workforce housing. And uh, with me today is uh, uh, city council person Jessica Williamson who I have to admit is a close personal wife of mine, and uh, Linda Martinez, who's been on all the kind of housing commissions and committees and stuff for years. And both of you are now on a volunteer committee, which doesn't have a legal authority, but tries to encourage and help the, the city deal with affordable or workforce housing. Okay, so we, I'm using affordable housing and workforce housing. Do uh, so one of you tell me what the difference is or how they relate? Affordable housing is basically basically says that a household should spend no more than 30% of its income on rent plus utilities. So it's totally income-based. Workforce housing is an aspect of that. A lot of the housing that people are talking about when we talk about affordable housing, we aren't talking about serving the lowest income people in our community, um, very low income people. That a locality actually can't do. It's extremely expensive and relies on a lot of federal subsidy. When we talk about affordable housing, we're generally talking about housing serving people who earn about 80% and up of area median income um, here locally. Now, area median income here in locally is, I have it written down here because I knew I couldn't remember it. In Yavapai, 80% of area median income for two people is $41,400. In Coconino, it's $48,100. And so that's the basis of how rents are established. And when we talk about affordable housing, we're talking about affordability roughly up or down from that income basis. And repeat that income basis again in Sedona. Well, Sedona is interesting because it's two counties. And so we have a Yavapai County component of 41400 for a family of two. And in Coconino, it's 48150 So when Sedona talks about area median income, we basically blend those two rates and take the, take the median of that. For our basis. But even if a couple was making $100,000 a year, they would have trouble finding housing in Sedona, correct? That's correct, because now the the cost of housing has gone through the roof. So a modest home that used to be $300,000, $400,000 is now double that in today's market. 
and our and our median price is somewhere around eight hundred and fifty thousand yeah. or something like that. So you're not talking about when people hear affordable housing, they think of the housing for the poor. Maybe not for the poorest poor because that's usually public housing, but they they think about housing for for people who really don't have much money. They have jobs, but they don't have a much much income. Um, I did want to add, folks, that. The interest of the government in public housing dates back to the 1930s and the Roosevelt administration. In 1933, they had a sort of a pilot project, not in New York City where you'd expect it, or Chicago, but in Atlanta, which was a small sort of backward place back then. It's now a, a, a very cosmopolitan metropolis and all of that. That's when it starts. So it's it's not a new thing, Jessica. I want to respond and add on to what Linda said earlier about why it is an issue here in Sedona. It's been an issue for, for many, many years. In fact, the city first set up a housing commission back in 2002. Um, and it went for a, a number of years until all the commissions were, were basically replaced by task force methodology. But in any case, what happened in Sedona is, one, the cost of single-family homes has become totally unaffordable to anybody but the very rich. And to add to the the real problem is that before short-term rentals, a lot of the single-family homes were um, rented out for long-term rentals. And so there, even though we've always had a shortage of, of apartments here in Sedona, we did have an inventory of homes that were rented out. What's Sometimes that? people have roommates, for example, one house, and they'll have two or three people living Absolutely. there. Most of the the guys I worked with, they were mostly men. If you were single, didn't have a partner and stuff, you had a little rental ap- apartment in Sedona. If you're in some of the um, industries that are related to tourism, it's very, very handy to be nearby. It makes a big difference whether you're here or in Cottonwood. So some of them lived in Cottonwood and some of them live here. I believe pretty much all the housing of the guys that I knew who were single, who didn't have a partner or a roommate, it's all gone. It is all gone. Initially, the, the um, apartments were, re, were turned into condos because that was lucrative. And, and a huge, huge proportion of the apartments have become short-term rentals after the state required that the city could no longer regulate them at all. And so there's, it doesn't matter what income level you are, very low income, 80% income, even if you make 100000 or more. In this city, it's very hard to find something to rent. And people in this city, a lot of them, a number of them, earn pretty substantial incomes, good incomes, not low income um, people at all, and they can't find a place to live. And I want to add to that because you had used a term before, Stephen, the working poor. They're not. It's the housing makes them, it puts them in this category. When I was growing up, and we all, we all know fathers, my father-in-law was a truck driver, and he bought a house. 
He was able to have a savings, take his family on vacation, on a truck driver's salary. My girlfriend's father was a shoe salesman, and and they were able to do the same things. They were modest homes, and Sedona it used to be a working class town. That is who we are. Those are our bones. So it's there now. We call them essential workers. We're talking people who work in the grocery stores and people, you know, who help us medically and they. Take care of things that break at our house, and they they cut our hair exactly. So that is who is being priced out, and more and more those businesses are either operating at reduced hours or they're closing altogether. I was at Whole Foods the other day to meet Linda actually for coffee, and they had a sign there that they were shutting down their coffee business, and I asked why, and she said they don't have any workers. Yeah, so that, that's what I down. hear wherever I go is that, 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 that after the pandemic now, that there are just not enough essential workers. And I don't know, I'm thinking if, if suppose I work as an essential worker, maybe I'm uh, uh, working in the tourist industry, I do the front desk at one of the hotels or something, and I have a choice of where I can work. And if I live in Cottonwood, I well, I am not going to get enough more money to make the drive up here worth it, unless I live, you know, in a very area very close. So it makes it um, Sedona a less desirable place to work because you can't live here yeah. and you have to commute here. And if you commute, given how much gasoline costs and so forth, that takes takes away you some of your income. You're absolutely right. It used to be, there used to be an attitude of what's wrong with living in Cottonwood. Well, there's a lot now because Cottonwood has the exact same challenges that we have. And they just did a housing study. Sedona had recently completed a housing study and it showed we need somewhere around 1,500 units that are, are in the affordable range. And Cottonwood in the Verde Valley region has the same exact issue as evidenced by their housing study. So workers now are coming in from even further places. They're coming in from Rimrock and um, uh, Camp Verde is having a challenge. So add to that, Stephen, that we have lost 1,352 units of housing that used to go to local workers and has now gone to short-term rentals. And that is in the Sedona and the VOC and in the canyon. That covers the whole area. And we lose more every month. We're averaging about 30 or so every month. It impacts even traffic because that, if you folks have noticed the big traffic jam about 4 o'clock going down Cook's Hill, that's people who work in uh, Camp Verde and work in Rimrock and stuff, and they don't want to take 89A down to Cottonwood. They want to go directly there. So 4 o'clock, they all get off work. They all held <laughs> head down the hill, and we have a kind of traffic jam that we never had before because of the housing, pressure of housing. The only thing I point I'm making is that housing, traffic, uh, incomes, everything sort of inter- interrelates the school system. You can't if you can't afford to live in Sedona. If you have kids, then the school system drops. The numbers of our kids in school drop, and that means the amount of support we get from the state for education drops. So, um, tell me a little bit more about this. Well, one of the things I really wanted to say was we have a lot of opposition or some opposition, while there seems to be 
a lot of public support for workforce housing, particularly recently, some of the objections that we hear from mostly retired people who lived somewhere else during their working career and for the most part probably in pretty high-paying jobs that they probably couldn't afford to have moved here in the past 8 to 10 years, um, say, well, I always drove 30 minutes to go my work. Why can't people just live somewhere else? Well, the sad fact is that there is no somewhere else anymore. I have no objection to people living in Cottonwood and coming up here. The fact is Cottonwood has partnered with us to hire um, a housing manager because they have no place for their workers to live either. It's no longer it's no longer really an option, and it's no longer really just a Sedona issue. It is a Verde Valley issue. And when we don't have a diversity of housing, we lose the entire definition of what it means to have small-town character. We didn't have enough kids to have a Little League team this year. Um, and we, we're losing so much of what we have. People who do, even retirees need mechanics. They need people to work in the restaurants. They need people to do their hair. They need repairs to their house. So they need the trades, electrical and plumbing and HVAC. They need doctors and nurses. So we are all dependent on one another. And that's what I'm afraid of, that Sedona is, is losing quite a bit of that unless we decide as a community that this is important for all of us. We were down in Cottonwood, and the little leagues were going, and families, and the kids were playing, and there were like five baseball games going on at the same time, some sort of tournament, and people were walking there. It felt like a real community. Like, I grew up in a small town, and it felt like a real community. And Sedona doesn't have that feeling more and more. Uh, you used to be able to move to Sedona. Maybe you would get a roommate and move into an apartment, and then you get a job. And many of the people were drawn to Sedona for um, interest in the in the the impact, the social, and the uh, I guess the mystical impact. And people would put their foot in, and, and then they would get a job, and then they'd work, and then. They, but you, it's it can't do that anymore. I know of a doctor who tried to get an apartment in Sedona to get closer to his work, and ended up you know, 55 years old with a roommate that he didn't like, of course, because when you're 55, you're not going to like any of your roommates. So when we're talking about affordable housing in Sedona, we're really talking about housing for, I guess, people making pretty pretty good money. Because if even if you're making 40000 a year, are you guys talking about trying to get housing for people, say a couple makes 40000 Can mm -hmm. you do that in Sedona? Well, one of the I want to talk about pinion lofts for a moment because it's one of the few. It's the the first um, apartment building that has been in Sedona for quite a while. The guy who developed it is actually committed to the idea of building apartments, so he's kind of odd to begin with. 
his units are not subsidized traditionally. There's no rent subsidy. They're market rate units. He's worked with the city to make them as low as possible. And those rents are eleven, twelve hundred dollars And people can afford them who work here because the incomes, the salaries are higher than a lot of retired people assume they are. Retired people see a lot of people assume or believe that the incomes here are people are making seven fifty an hour and that's who we're talking about. No, we're talking about people who make twenty, twenty five dollars an hour who are couples. Um when at the city planning commission when they were talking about a proposal for market rate housing, one of the commissioners who owns a business here one of the objections to the housing is the opponent said no one can who's working can afford that. She said one of her employees lives in pinion lofts, pays that money, and told her that if that wasn't available, he would have had to move. He would not be working for her. Working people can pay and can't afford eleven, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a month for rent. And at the eighty or ninety percent level, that's what we're talking about when we talk about workforce housing. Um, and even a two bedroom there, the last time I had checked was about seventeen hundred and uh and they're full. So that gives you all of the information we need. There's a waiting list. I will tell you that also 59% of the people who live there work here in Sedona. And that is, I think, the salient fact and the important fact. Working people can afford those rents. The doctor I talked to has very high income. Couldn't find any place in Sedona to, to rent. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Siri just went off, folks, but that's okay. So, Siri's so chiming in. <laughs> what we're talking about, and uh, uh, we got a tremendous amount of feedback on um, when we posted this to um, one of the uh, local um, social media groups. Uh, a lot of it is uh, people arrive at the whole idea of, of Social Security with a kind of diffused uh, not Social Security, but affordable housing, mm-hmm. with a kind of diffused anger about it and, and oppose it. And they mm-hmm. have these very gnarled reasons. So they say like this, like, it's, well, it won't help. And then they'll say, we don't want it. And they say there'll be giant concrete boxes. It, it's sometimes just a jumble of opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you deal with that? How do you get out the idea of what you're actually trying to do? So you're right, Stephen. I mean, they're, 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 it runs the emotions everywhere what we're finding is that it's becoming an us and them situation and and it's becoming in a sense politicized we don't see people necessarily for in in workforce housing as us and i know i've been here 35 years this was us when we came here we sacrificed and had very low income when we first arrived in sedona and started our own business um, but we, there's a sense of that they may not be neighborly. They may not be welcoming. Or, or Go ahead, Jessica. I got a lot of emails about the recent proposal for the Miramonte um, apartment complex on Jordan Road. And one of the comments in the emails said, it, it was astonishing to me, said, 
the occupants are unlikely to be welcoming and to fit into our community. Well, it seems that's to awful. me. <laughs> it sounds just, I mean, that's this awful kind of entitlement. I mean, uh, my personal emotional reaction to hearing that kind of thing, like, oh, my gosh. So we're, we're at that stage, and that's one of the reasons it's people oppose. It's one of the reasons. There are other people. People say, well, all right, folks, you can't build a housing that's uh, affordable to people for this, in the same way it's going to look like luxury housing, right? If you if you spend a hundred thousand dollars a room or something, you didn't spend two hundred thousand a room. Linda could tell us what the actual figures would be. There's a big difference in what you can do. You can still have decently designed housing. I've seen beautiful housing in Albuquerque and even in New York City. Uh, go ahead. I think most people are concerned. Again, like you said, it has to do with who will it attract. Will there be problems? Will it bring my property value down? Will there be additional crime? And what is it going to look like? And we understand all that. Never have, I mean, it has not been proven in Sedona. We're not talking about the old uh, projects of New York City that people have in mind when they think of that. Those were failures, and they're com- they're, more and more they're coming down and they're building decent housing that, that fit into the neighborhood. But that's not what, where we are in Sedona. There are many fears. The problem that we have is directed at the city. The city is trying to solve a real problem. And believe me, we've been talking about this for 25 years. The problem that we have has come from the state, and it is in the SB 1350, short-term rentals. And the people who had done the, the campaign to stop Jordan Lofts did an incredible job. They really did. I wish that energy and that talent could be directed toward the state to give us local control over short-term rentals because I think it's misdirected. We are trying to solve this issue. We can't solve all of it. There's no way Sedona can build 1,500 units, nor do they intend to. And that is not a goal. But if we can build perhaps a third of that, and one, one at a time, one development at a time, we just don't have enough land. We don't have any place to put it. And so any available land really needs to be thought of as a potential for some housing to make room for people like us. Yeah, I think that's the different uh, beautiful housing that a friend of mine built when he was uh, doing housing in Albuquerque. It was built on old railroad tracks area, uh, a discarded area. So he had free land to build these beautiful little little places. I'm sure they weren't fancy inside, but that with a good architect, they were really quite nice. So what I get is the is the same thing you folks do is a mishmash of reasons to oppose it, and. Since we arrived in Sedona, and we've been here about 20 years now, 20 years, there's always been a little tension between the people who work here, which originally a lot of them lived here in Sedona, mm-hmm. and the retirees. They're slightly different interests. you know. In other words, when Jessica and I were here, we both went to work from day one. We worked here for, for decades, and we needed jobs, right? And the retirees, the wealthy retirees, didn't need jobs. We needed modest housing, and the wealthy retirees didn't need 
modest housing at all. So there's always been a conflict between the three elements. Um, but it's gotten much worse between the retirees, the workforce, and visitors. And now it's become this them or us, this angry kind of stuff. Um, I'm on one of the newer social media things. Things that people say are really astonishing. The complete sense, Linda, I see it since a complete lack of sense there's a community here at all. Mm-hmm. It's everybody trying to protect their, 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 they made a whole lot of money somewhere else being super capitalists. And they move here and suddenly, suddenly they, they want all these rules imposed. They don't want people who own property to be able to build houses on it, you know. It's astonishing. And, and while I could go on about it, it, it's, it, it actually disturbs me personally to read these things because there are these fears and angers that are just spread out all over the place. Not only housing, but housing is certain one of them. The willingness of people to make absolute misstatements. The willingness of the people to say that the, that the city is doing something when it's the school board that's doing something. The complete lack of caring whether what they're saying is accurate is disturbing. How can you deal with that environment? I'll ask both of you that and start with Linda. There certainly seems to be more of a collective victimization now than I have ever seen in the past. We all seem to be victimized by something. Uh, the city imposing even sidewalks sometimes, you know, or or allowing for a little bit more density to create some additional housing. Something. We all feel victimized. Instead of being able to sit down and talk together, social media has distorted that. So, but there are some very positive things that are happening, and I think that's what we do. We I'm go desperate forward. to hear those. We go forward. So we're excited to tell you about that. I'd right. like to focus on that. <laughs> so part of it is, we'll start with that, that the city has budgeted for, um, to hire a housing manager. And uh, this person will be in place. It will be a shared position, about a 60-40 shared position with Cottonwood. So 60% Sedona, 40% Cottonwood. And I think she starts next month. Starts at the end of September. What's she going to do? Oh, she's going to look at every, she's going to think creatively, look outside the box. She's going to look at what's being done, what what could be done, and she's going to explore that. And hopefully, you know, she'll uh, use part of our volunteer committee to to try to help unpack some of that. What are some of the ideas that are workable? Go first ahead. thing she's going to do, I think, among the first things she's going to do is do an inventory, oh, a yeah. complete inventory of property in Sedona and in Cottonwood and probably water in the valley because we know that this is a regional issue. One of the projects that I'm really happy about um, is the city is partnering with the Northern Arizona Housing Solution, which is a not-for-profit up in Flagstaff, to set up a down payment assistance program where homeowners The city will contribute up to $25,000 with a $10,000 match from the homeowner as down payment assistance if someone cannot afford the down payment totally on their own. Now, in, in Sedona, that's like a joke. 
there is no house in which a $25,000 down payment assistance would make a dent. So we're looking at this. We're expecting that this program is mostly going to be Verde Valley related. But the important thing is that anybody, it's only open and available to workers who work in Sedona. And, of course, we'll get the money back. All right, that was the question I was going to ask. You're not giving them the $25,000. You're loaning them to help them buy a house. It's a shared equity model. Yeah, like my dad got uh, my parents' house with a GI loan. Right, that was was the same kind of a thing. So that's the first thing, and um, this housing manager will work with this not-for-profit to move that forward. We expect that to become effective sometime next spring. We also have a... The same developer who built Pinion Lofts is is moving ahead on a total market rate project, which is once again going to be affordable. And it's behind uh, Walgreens. It's behind the Walgreens. Indian Cliffs. There's a little development yeah. there. There's yeah, a parcel. And that will be, again, one where it would be a shared income model, and we will recoup the money that we put into this project. But the important thing about that is it's 46 units. Every unit will be income, will be, will be limited income. It's 80, 90, and 100% of area median income is a, the eligibility. And prior, just like pinion loss, the priority will be given to people who work here in Sedona now to keep the workers in the community and keep the money yeah, in the I, community. I believe there's like 300 um, workers needed just in the hospitality industry here. 300 plus workers. There's, there's a, a huge shortage. The problem is even though they boosted the wages way up, if you're commuting here from Cottonwood, and that, add, that adds an hour to your, to your day, uh, it's it's hard to get people to come here. I know one of uh, one hoteler wanted to put a big sign uh, down in Cottonwood saying, you know, come work in Sedona. We pay more money, you know, to work in our hotel. But I don't think you can even do that now. Well, one of the objections people have is, I mean, is they say, well, businesses just have to pay more money and therefore they'll get the workers. Well, if the workers can't find anywhere in the Verde Valley to live, that's just simply not true. Um, Wages are not as low as people think they are. Businesses have stepped up and pay more than, Mm -hmm. certainly much more than minimum and more than probably regionally. And yet they can't find people because people cannot live here. And also we learned something from Jordan Lofts. If we learned that, I have to say, let me back up just a minute. Having looked at this issue for 25 years, I can say that the city lacked the political will and the desire to put resources into developing workforce housing. I can't say that now. I think the city is ahead of the community in terms of being creative, of being bold, of being able to to progress. So I'm wondering now, Stephen, do we have the appetite as a community to make room, to make adjustments, to allow and, and to welcome workers into our community? So, and if we don't, then where? If not, you know, I always say, when when is the right time? Where is the right place? So now we're saying, let's look at the Dells. Okay, let's say, let's let me ask this question before we look at the Dells, which is, 
how how do you value housing and land and and property? It's usually highest use. Getting people to not use the highest use make the most money. For instance, you can rent long term, but Airbnbs will bring you more money, and then we get hundreds of Airbnbs all over the place. Uh, that's a hard thing to resist. Um, the other thing that occurs to me is is well, let's go let's go on to your question. I'll go back to that later. Mm-hmm. So you're you're trying to to make a living and trying to live in Sedona, but you don't really have much a chance of doing that. And um, well, all right, let's go to one of the objections. The people say, "Why build?" Well, all right. The real, so the real economic argument that you get from conservatives is this, is look, this is a capitalist society. You didn't make a lot of money. Tough. You can't live in Sedona. You have to go live where poor people live, middle class people live, upper middle class. You can't live here. Too bad. We don't care. I mean, that is something that you hear all the time, particularly from conservatives. But I hear faint traces of that. I mean, um, even among the liberal community, like, oh, why do you have to live here with us? We we have all this money and these huge houses. Why don't you go live somewhere else and just work for us and do the things we want you to do? Well, the reason basically is what I think we've said before is there. There are no places to live in the Verde Valley. The Verde Valley as a whole has that a dire problem. Now, if the end result of that is what Linda said, is that if you have no workers, what do you have here in Sedona? Um, That's something people have to think about. People get angry when they can't find a car mechanic. Yeah, people get angry when they have to wait in line at Safeway. (laughs) And, And you said something interesting. Is it true that we don't care? I think, or do we care about people that 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 are like us? Right. And it, it, it's it, and it's really an interesting question. It's not just Sedona. It's it's on a on a state and a national level, as we've seen through our our elections. But I will say this: the few parcels that are left, the developers have entitlements that will that will develop it to its highest use to bring the most profit in. That's going to look like a lot of lodging, a lot of things that will be profitable. And how will that serve Sedona? So I guess what I, what I want to know is how in the long run, if we really look at the big picture, maybe looking at, looking at workforce housing and an added density that it will bring, that it will serve us. We will be more of a of the community that Sedona was when we moved here, and we'll have services available to us that we value and we cherish. And so for those reasons, there are two major parcels that we really do need to talk about. One is the cultural park, mm-hmm. and you know there are people looking at that, again, for high lodging, high uses. Um, and and uh, market rate housing with some workforce housing in there. There will be a, it's huge. Um, and I don't know, and I'm not pretending I know what they're trying to do, but I know that I this is the essence. And Siri keeps joining the conversation. And, and also the Dells. So there, we have asked the city to, to look at the Dells and make a plan, and they're going to be doing that. All right, what is the Dells? Where is it? This is where the sewer treatment plant is. Across the road. Correct. But across be, the road. It would across be across the road, the road not Correct. in the sewer treatment plant. 
Because, no, right. we get this attitude, like, if you're going to build affordable housing, why not build it on Contractors Road? Let them live there where they're, you know, where the car repair shops and stuff are. I mean, we get that kind of attitude, even from... Uh, um, so, when I'm told that let them live there or anywhere, sure. <laughs> they should be dispersed throughout the city. It, really, it should be dispersed. If a house were to come out, I mean, why not like, put a duplex in? I mean, there are a lot of things we can do. And, and I want to say one thing, too, about short-term rentals. I, I, I just want to go back to that. I don't think any of us are really against all short-term rentals. It's owner-occupied short-term rentals. People should be able to supplement their incomes, especially in today's economy. Um, so I do want to say that. But what we've lost is local control over that. And ha- how if we don't if we can't come together across party lines to work on that, I think we're going to be facing. It's I mean we're going to be facing more problems with housing because we might be able to build forty this year, maybe forty next year, but we're losing a hundred and fifty to two hundred a year to short term rentals, and so it's a losing game. I think part of what Linda referred to earlier, and I think this is a large conversation, is what kind of community we want to live in. I increasingly hear that this is a retirement community and that people who live here have certain expectations. They want their piece of paradise and they don't want it to change. And they... (laughs) There does not seem to be an attitude that we are in this together, that there is a community which consists not only of people exactly like like you, but also other kinds of people. And also businesses. There is a growing, I don't know if it's a growing sense or just a growing vocalization, that somehow businesses are not part of our community. They're and the it's enemy. Only resident I've never heard conservatives team. ever talk about business being the enemy. Absolutely. But that's what you hear right. now. It's radically any any business. And, and of course, if you're against businesses uh, in a lot of times, if it's a decent business and in the right place, you're also against all the working people who work yes. there. Yeah. yeah. So so if if there were if there was no industry here in Sedona, when we moved, none of us could have moved here. You had to start a business from scratch. We had to find jobs where we could. Uh, we didn't just move here with stacks of money and sit on our butts. So are we, are we really, as a community, we really have to think about and really face and somehow have an honest conversation about it, which seems impossible to do in this environment. Are we just going to want, are we just going to aim on being a retirement community and saying, to hell with everything else. Are we just a retirement community? And there is a sense that that's what a certainly a certain number of people. That seems this, to me, Jessica, it seems that me the strongest group. And just let's have a retirement community and let's forget all the rest of this stuff. I, the people are not thinking holistically. They're not thinking about the whole problem. They're not thinking about the workforce that they expect to take care of them in their old age, et cetera, et cetera. They're just thinking about their immediate needs. Um, when you see the local social media, it's so driven by, by fears and suspicions of, of almost nothing. Um, uh, I've said before, and I said earlier, just that, that, that disturbs me. The problem I see is you have to keep telling people that 
Sedona does not uh, control ATVs. Sedona does not control um, uh, short-term rentals. And you have to repeat this over and over again because the media is filled with uh, you guys being, or the city being denounced for not doing things that the state has forbidden it to do. And you repeat this over and over again. Also, it's like the, I think we're getting through on property tax. Like there is no city property tax. And we don't hear as many of, I'm a taxpayer here, so don't hear talking to my property, blah, blah, blah. We don't see as much of that stuff, but we're still, you know, some, some, to, to me, I mean, I know you work with the city, Jessica, but it it seems to me it's just like, as if it's, you know, rolling the rock up the hill and it comes back down again and then you roll the rock up. How are you going to deal with that? Well, you I don't will, have much time left. I will tell you that I think the frustrations that people feel at finally understanding that they no one has control over short-term rentals. We all know what a huge problem it is. There is no community when you have the number of short-term rentals we have now. I think the very fact of, of that and ATVs, the fact that we aren't, don't seem to be in control, is part of what's pushing people to where they're going to, which is there is no reasonable solution to it, so... Why bother to have a reasonable talk? Um, I think it encourages the lack of local control, encourages the kind of thinking and the kind of emotional reactivity that I think is a community we're experience, experiencing. And it's chipping away at who we are as as a community. I mean, and no matter what side you're on, I think everybody can can feel that that Sedona has changed. Is it irrevocable? I don't know. I hope not. But it has changed dramatically. And of all all the topics I thought that we could align on, I thought workforce housing would be one of those topics where You'd we could so. agree. You'd think so, that, Linda. Yeah. That Why we, wouldn't it? Because here you're talking about building housing for the workforce that's doing all the work in Sedona. Why wouldn't that be totally nonpartisan? I don't know. Again, I think it has to do with this collective victimization that that it's, it's instead of making room, we feel like it's imposed on us. So we tell the city to, to take action, to do something about it. And when they do, they say, well, you're forcing this on us. So it, it's a mindset that has been corrupted by social media. And if we could just have some dialogues face to face i mean maybe one on one it, it might start to shift a little bit how would you do that would your committee kind of hold a meeting or something the problem folks i see and we're, we really want to focus on affordable housing we've only got a couple of minutes left is uh, is the da- lack of dialogue and the, and the amount of uh, um, misinformation so can you sum up in one minute the whole issue of affordable housing We are all NIMBYs at some point or another. NIMBYs are excoriated, but as a matter of fact, we are all NIMBYs. No, people do not want change in their, in their life. And Linda? Change is being imposed on us. 
Sedona has changed radically in the last three years since short-term rentals. If we don't start to look at how this is a holistic approach to preserving Sedona, the Sedona that we love, then it is definitely going to slip through our hands, especially when all of the land is gone. I want to thank you both for being with us. I think affordable housing, workforce housing, is one of the most difficult topics we have because everybody, or a whole, I guess the majority, are in favor of it when it's abstract. It's not in any particular place and doesn't look like any particular thing. It has absolutely no effect on housing. I think all the negatives are vastly uh, exaggerated, but that's, and then when it comes down to a particular place, particular look, a particular density, then every, then the people are against it. And particular people. Yeah, and particular people. So we'd like to thank our um, supporters, and, and one of the major ones is Democrats of Red Rock, great club, been here for decades. We want to thank them. They have a great uh, program going. Um, signing petitions, and they have a film coming up called uh, Kite Runner, set in Afghanistan. I think you'll find it really exciting. We want to thank our other sponsors as well. Perspective. Brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.